Strong voices. It's not just about one state. It's not just about one community. It's about all of our communities. The issues that face Indigenous peoples around the world sit at the heart of the questions that we're asking about the future of our political order. I am here and now, and I speak my language. I practice my cultural essence of me. What we do need is a more critical race consciousness in this country, a preparedness to talk about race, to talk about the way in which racialized logics are inscribed upon our bodies and to critically examine them in order to change it. The government's changed, but we've got to be still here. We're always going to be still here. We've been here for 65,000 years and I don't think we're going to go anywhere. What the system still struggles with is this collaboration with First Nations people. A strong voice is an Aboriginal voice. Hello, good morning and welcome to Strong Voices. We're coming to you live from the Cam Radio Studios here in Central Australia and broadcasting to all nations through our vast channel 911 and on Aitken FM here in Abantua Alice Springs. We're also, of course, coming to you online via our website, that's uh, karma.com.au. Today is, of course, Wednesday, the 15th of May, 2019. I'm your host for the program, Carl Dowling, and you'll have my company all the way up until uh, 12 o'clock this morning. Well, coming up on the show today, uh, ABC's Four Corners program on Monday night showed the mistreatment of young people being held in watch houses because of the state's youth detention centres are at full capacity. This morning, uh, a rally is being held at the Queensland State Parliament uh, where... Those in attendance are demanding that the 95 children in watch houses be immediately released back into the community. Calm Radio spoke with uh, veteran Queensland Aboriginal rights campaigner Sam Watson just prior to the rally commencing. We'll be hearing what he had to say early this morning. Also, uh, we're going to be continuing to bring you some of the uh, 22 Indigenous candidates for the upcoming federal election. Uh, Greens candidate in the ward of uh, Leichhardt, Gary Oliver, will be sharing his thoughts this morning. Also ahead of the elections this Saturday, the 18th of May, the uh, peak national representative body for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, the National Congress of Australia's First Peoples, have shared their views. We're going to be hearing uh, those thoughts uh, near the tail end of the program today. We're, of course, going to be hearing the very latest as well in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander news from right across the country. Before all of that, though, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, hey, this is Shawnee Tilbury and you listen to Strong Voice on Karma Radio. Woo! Another investigation into Australia's prisons by the ABC's Four Corners program has revealed more than half of children being held in Queensland jails are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. In order to... Uh, a rally was recently held in what's actually been held at the moment in Brisbane as uh, those individuals are fighting to have those young people in the watch houses removed immediately and introduced back into the communities. Lorena Walker spoke to Aboriginal rights campaigner Sam Watson about the march being held in Brisbane. I would like to welcome back onto the Karma Network Aboriginal rights campaigner Sam Watson. Good morning, Sam. Morning, how are you? Good, thanks. And Sam, just for uh, our listeners, are you able to tell us uh, about yourself? Who's your mob and where you're from? Born and raised in Brisbane. This is our traditional country right the way through here. Um, we're the Wanjabara people, but we're also connected up to the Jagara and Yagara mob. So right across County Queensland, this is our land, our country, one time. Sam, there will be a march that is going to take place at the Queensland State Parliament 
uh, house this morning. Can you just tell us what's happening in Brisbane? There has been a story reported on the high rates of uh, incarceration rates of young people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander youth. Can you just tell us a little bit about what's happening today and what you'll be doing? Okay, on Monday night, the ABC Four Corners ran the story they researched for a number of weeks and it shows that there are over 97 uh, children uh, across Queensland being held in, in watch houses. So and in these watch houses, um, they are sharing um, quarters, sharing facilities with hardened criminals. The great majority of these children uh, have not even been before a court and haven't even been found guilty of any offence. And yet, because of the the system is buckling under the numbers, uh, and because magistrates are sending more and more children into the correctional custodial system, uh, you have children as young as 10 or 11 years old uh, sharing watch-out facilities with hardened criminals and deviant and sex criminals. We even had one report of a young girl who was only 13 years old had to actually share a cell with two convicted pedophiles. So this is totally unacceptable. Uh, we're now rallying at the outside Parliament House in George Street, Brisbane. Uh, we will march from there across to uh, the office of the Premier, which is about 50 metres away, and we will demand a meeting with the Premier and we'll demand that the, the children be released from the watch houses across Queensland because we're talking about watch houses in Brisbane, in uh, Townsville and in Mount Isa. And the great majority of those children are Aboriginal children. And as I said, the great majority of those children haven't even been before a court. So they're still innocent until proven guilty. And even though they may have been involved with antisocial behaviour, you don't address that behaviour by placing kids in these appalling washouts. So the government and the system has totally failed these children and they should be released immediately. Like you said, Sam, the system is automatically setting up these young kids to fail. That's right. And there are other options. Um, There are community-based options where these children can be placed. Um, And, I mean, there are... Each of these kids have to be properly assessed by experts. And, I mean, we know from anecdotal reports from workers who are seeing these children that a large number of these children suffer from conditions such as fetal alcohol syndrome. So these are children who are going to find life difficult enough to deal with, uh, and yet now they're being uh, treated in this way, like cattle in these appalling watch houses, they were built to hold terrorists and criminals. So, not good enough. And the fact that these children are in watch houses and adult facilities breaches a number of state legislation, it breaches a number of federal legislation, and it certainly breaches uh, a range of international covenants that Australia is signatory to. You mentioned 95 young people are now currently being incarcerated. What are your thoughts? Or what, what would you say to the government uh, to demand release right away? Absolutely. I mean, we can't, if they can't do it on block, they should at least say within the next uh, three to four weeks they will have all the children out of these watch houses. I mean, the system is so bad 
and you've got, even got working coppers uh, who called on the ABC to do a report on it. So the police themselves are becoming very stressed out uh, with the responsibility of having to deal with children who are becoming suicidal, children who are presenting with self-harming, children who are becoming so frustrated and uh, traumatised uh, that they could very well take their own lives. That's right, and it's, it's, it's not even that long, maybe two years after the Four Corners report at, at Don Dale here in the Northern Territory. How much money did the federal government spend on that Don Dale Commission? $300 million, I think. And yet, uh, to this day, um, the governments have obviously not learnt anything. Is there anything else that you'd like to say, Sam? And this is not a problem that is impacting on Indigenous children only. This problem also impacts upon non-Indigenous children. So we need to be taking these actions to ensure the safety and well-being of all children across our community. Uh, well, hopefully uh, in the close future that these kids are released from these uh, watch houses. Uh, Sam, thank you for joining us here on Karma Radio once again. Thank you and thanks for all your support. Yes, that was uh, Aboriginal rights campaigner there, Sam Watson, speaking with Karma's Lorena Walker. We'll be hearing the latest in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander news from across the country shortly. You're listening to Strong Voices on Calm Radio this uh, Wednesday morning. And now it's time for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander news from across the country. I'm very happy to welcome into the Karma Studios, Lorena Walker and Paul Wiles. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Carl. And good morning, listeners. Well... A lot's been happening around the country, but today does mark a special day, Paul. We'll start with you. Yeah, well, today, for those who uh, didn't know, it is International Day of Families, the 15th of May, and uh, families, both traditional and non-traditional, are the foundation of society. Some of the most uh, formative years of our lives are spent growing up with our families, so uh, this is something that needs to be celebrated. Uh, Founded by the United Nations in 1994, the International Day of Families is observed on this day, the 15th of May, every year to celebrate the importance of families, people, societies and cultures around the world. It's been around uh, since 1994 with a a different family-focused theme each year. Uh, Past themes have included uh, building families based on partnership, families' education and well-being. So... uh, This year, uh, an important day, Um, plenty going on in this country. Obviously, uh, uh, all of the families are being affected by something that's about to happen on Saturday. We won't dwell on that, but um, just time to take uh, a little bit of time out and maybe move away from uh, the hustle and bustle and think about your own family. Um, Mums, dads, kids, grandparents, grannies, aunts, uncles, all part of uh, a very important contribution to the country and to the globe and i think it's just great you know being able to take that time now and again to just sit down and you know have the conversations whether it's you know sort of reminiscing about sort of old stories or you know uh talking about specific memories that 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 people remember or even just just spending time with each other just sitting down and and yeah and it is amazing you're talking about you know reminiscing and you know pulling out the old photo album um, you know just a great way to uh, go back in time and and you know often 
uh, you know, I mean, all families go through good and bad times, but uh, uh, families stick together generally. And, um, you know, it is important that, uh, you know, kids remember their parents, um, you know, um, the formative years, uh, how they've grown and developed, uh, their parents do contribute enormously to that as their parents did to them. Um, so the cycle continues, but um, making sure that the elders are included uh, and, and remembered and, and given, you know, the, the due respect that they should be given. Mm, definitely. Uh, on to our next one. We'll go to you, Lorena. What do you have for us this morning? Uh, yeah, so this story uh, is um, a story which is um, in Derby. So th- formerly known as the Derby Native Hospital, it, uh, the Kimberley's first nursing home um, has recognised a site that has been providing health services uh, for the Northwest Aboriginal communities for... 120 years and has been included in the state register heritage uh, placing and yeah I thought that was a really interesting story 120 years of being able to um, yeah look after Aboriginal people and that's in Derby so yeah uh, in 1984 the government re- uh, residency the first uh, was first setting up government presence in the Kimberley region and yeah this uh, was established to to help um, Aboriginal people and, and their health. Um, yeah, so that's been now listed in as a heritage site. Wow, it's, it's amazing when you talk about those different things over the years and they have such a long history, but, you know, it, it's interesting when you, you're hearing about certain things for the first time and it's like the history behind it's amazing. Mm. Yeah, mm. 120 years. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so they've... they've They've still got the building, but they've, they've obviously since time went on, they have yeah. built a new, a new place. But yeah, they're keeping that um, probably there for, um, you know, the community and people who want to visit mm. the the area, the the old host, uh, hospital. Mm. Just following on from that, I, I didn't bring the story in, but I just saw a uh, a note, a message, uh, a report that the uh, Karatha Aboriginal Medical Service has closed. Um, due to uh, money, money issues. Um, again, another significant. We're talking about, you know, the the legacy that this uh, organisation has left in in uh, in Derby or Derby, Derby, um, in Western Australia. But uh, Karatha Aboriginal Medical Service, likewise, I I, I would imagine has been a, a significant contributor as well. So uh, we'll follow that story up a little bit later and try and find out exactly what's happening. Mm. And just quickly, another thing that's happened, we have had uh, Chris sort of out and about at the moment, uh, who's part of our online news team going to... uh, Chris Fitzpatrick. Yes, he was at a press conference this morning uh, talking about uh, announcements from... uh, That's Chris at the moment. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so essentially there was a range of announcements that have been happening uh, across you know, here in Central Australia, but also a range of announcements that have happened um, from... Uh, the Liberal Party and in particular the candidate for Lingiari, Jacinta Price, who made some announcements this morning in regards to funding for the Red Tails and the Pink Tails. And then uh, I understand she's been travelling around quite a bit in the, uh, in the top end, but she has made some recent announcements around uh, sporting facilities here for Alice Springs, as well as some remote communities as well. So both her and uh, the Northern Territory Senator Nigel Scallion have been, you know, talking up, you know, the importance of having these uh, different facilities in terms of youth engagement and things right. like that, and yeah. especially within 
remote communities as well. As we know, in remote communities, you know, it, it's that you know the issue of having something there for the youth and the young people to to keep them engaged and, and you know keep them doing something that's actually going to be beneficial to them as well and to the community and mm. to the country so mm. keeping kids connected in a meaningful way giving them a future in their community uh, acknowledging who they are and being proud of who they are as peoples and you know being on country and um, you know it's not a lifestyle choice mm. uh, you know it's about making sure that uh, people living in remote communities are given opportunities and uh, you know it'd be great to hear from um, Nigel Scullion and Jacinta uh, you know if they're listening and they'd like to come in have a yarn about um, you know issues uh, going into the election uh, waiting for them to come and have a yarn mm. yeah well and also just quickly as well i do want to note uh exciting news in, in regards to the uh, inaugural Frame Festival that's being held yes. at the moment as well yeah. uh, through ICTV. Uh, we're actually going to be hoping, to, we've run a story sort of preempting that. We're going to be getting some interviews uh, this afternoon and hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to hear some of the different, uh, you know, people who are down there and the organisers and things like that but then also getting some of the vision of that as well for our online news this week should be Great. exciting to see. Yeah, good stuff. Well, on that note, uh, Lorena, Paul, thank you both for joining us for the news from around the country. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Mob, this is Patrick Johnson, and you're listening to Strong Voices. Be deadly and stay deadly. That's right, you're listening to Strong Voices here on Calm Radio this Wednesday morning. Well, yesterday we uh, heard from the Liberal candidate for Gilmore, Warren Mundine, as well as uh, ALP uh, MP uh, Linda Burney, who's recontesting her seat of Barton, where as we continue to bring you some of the Indigenous candidates for the upcoming federal election, today we're going to hear another one of those candidates. We're going to be hearing from uh, Gary Oliver, who is a candidate, a Greens candidate in the ward of Leichhardt. Uh, so he recently spoke with Karma's Paul Wiles, and here's that conversation now. My name's Gary Oliver. I'm Cookie Allenji from up in Cape York, so from the Daintree out to Laura, and I'm standing for the Greens for the seat of Leichhardt. Why are you standing for the Greens? The Greens really had the values that I connected with more than any other party. I knew that Labor was not going to preference Aboriginal people and, until 2024. They've preferenced women and they've made the opportunity for women to join their parliamentary system, but they're already at that quota. Their quota for Aboriginal people doesn't start until 2024, and my reckoning of it, you might as well put a zero on that and make it 240 years. It's keeping us out of the system. The Greens provided a great opportunity not only for me as bummer, but other countrymen across the country to stand for them on the ground of who we were at this time. Why are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues important at this election? You know, they've been playing footy with us for a long time, you know. They've been throwing around the football, handballing it to each other, blaming each other, and there hasn't been moments of truth. You know, we talk about the housing deal that was done and Nigel Scullion released $550 million for the Northern Territory, Yet Cape York only get $105 million, and that's not enough to do that work. The reporting through Parliament, because I've been watching the reporting and through the Productivity Commission report, it tells everyone that they spend $33 billion on us as Aboriginal people in this country. 
and they make it seem a negative. But when you go through that report, actually, they only took 3% of the total budget and said that's what the amount is. So 3% of the defence budget belongs to us as a people as well. So I'm looking for honesty and transparency in the work that needs to be done for our mob. The voice to Parliament and the cashless welfare card, where do you sit on those issues? We need to abolish the cashless welfare card and its punitive measures. takes away from self-management and self-determination for our people. I was amazed that two weeks before Parliament shut down, Labor and Liberals sat there and voted together to extend the cashless card, you know? So we've got it not only in our communities, it's all over Australia. It's at Harvey Bay, it's at Inala, but it's going to come up to the Cape. You know, it's going to make a few people rich, but take away from our self-management and self-determination. The voice to Parliament and the work that needs to be done around that, the shortened government are saying if they win, they'll do it within the first 12 months. But we've got to remember the 67 referendum, it took from 1938, the day of mourning, until 67. All of that work that was done until we had a successful referendum. I think if he goes for a referendum in this first 12 months of Parliament, that we will lose that opportunity and we won't see that representation through the constitutional reform. We won't see it in my generation. Why do we need to keep or to change the government? We need to change the government because they've been dishonest with the way they dealt with us. You know, we had the Liberals that introduced the intervention in the Northern Territory and then the Labor call it special measures. You know, they're just downtrodding us as a people. So we've got to get more Aboriginal voices in Parliament so we can work together across the benches as well. So you see the work that Mullandiri will do and with Pat and others... We've got to bring the Jackie Lambies into the world if she gets in, or the Gary Olivers. No matter what football team we're playing with or what political team, we've got to be there so that we can listen to local decision-making and local solutions from our communities. And one final uh, message to your constituents? You know, this is the first time we've had an Aboriginal person running for the seat of Leichhardt. I'm excited at the opportunity to represent you in the communities. But I want to be kept accountable by you as well. So if you elect me, you will see me in your communities. You will see me from Cairns to Saibai up to the PNG border. We've got one community, Lockhart River, that tells me that the current member's only been there for nine hours in the past three years. I've got family in those communities. So my commitment is to those communities and also to the community within Cairns and also other areas. So vote one, vote Greens, and let's make a change. On that note, many thanks for your time. Thank you. Yes, that was uh, Greens candidate for the seat of Leichhardt there, Gary Oliver, speaking with Karma's Paul Wiles. We're going to be hearing from the National Congress of Australia's First Peoples very soon, but before then, we're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll be right back. That's right, you're listening to Strong Voices on Calm Radio this Wednesday morning. We're going to head into our final story now. Ahead of the election this Saturday, the 18th of May, Carmen's Paul Wiles spoke with Rod Little, co-chair of the National Congress of Australia's First Peoples, the peak, the peak national representative body uh, for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Here's that conversation now. Going into this election, there has been a vast silence around uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues. Um, what are the issues that uh, the pollies need to be talking about? But more importantly, what should Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples be looking at when they go into the election? I think the very first thing that I think about in terms of uh, any election, an election federally in particular, 
that the elections and politicians don't think that Aboriginal issues are vote-winning matters. And I think that's disappointing from our politicians in, in today's politics. And a, a brief assessment from uh, some marginal seat areas last election that our people, if they had turned out to vote, they actually could make a difference to who's in that, that electorate. And I think that our peoples, ourselves, whilst we see many candidates, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, moving into politics, I think that we as voters need to be more politically savvy and then um, begin to ask more and more questions and pursue and apply the pressure on politicians and even more so Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander politicians that are entering into politics. So basically, I think that politicians uh, don't believe those, particularly in those major parties, is that Aboriginal affairs are winning votes. Closing the gap, and uh, I'm talking about closing the gap between the haves and the have-nots right across the country. That's become much more of an issue. And, uh, you know, obviously the First Nations peoples are at the wrong end of the scale when it comes to the uh, disparity gap. But what we are seeing is more people are becoming focused on the top end of town and how that continues to pander itself and as compared to the trickle-down effect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we've talked about close the gap and there's so much evidence time and time again. Through the Redfern Statement that was launched at the last election in, in 2016, I think it was, we highlighted a, a number of things where that things had gotten worse in terms of closing the gaps. You know, life expectancy, education, employment, all of those things, health. Um, and so we highlighted this thing, and, but we have been saying for a long, long time is that there needs to be more and more communication and uh, collaboration with First Peoples, particularly on the design and development and implementation and measuring of the impact of matters that impact on our people. So rather than having the top-down and camera, camera kind of... Uh, has always been described as a Canberra policy uh, coming from the top down to community. What we've always said, and through the Redfern Statement, is that we need to be listening to the voices on the ground. And that includes our peak organisations who are now heavily involved in the negotiations on the partnership relations with COAG. And, and I think we still have to bring through those voices from people on the ground because what we're talking about at the top level really has to change the lives of people on the ground. The Coalition has uh, uh, put great emphasis on the uh, Aboriginal procurement policy, saying $2 billion has gone back into the First Nations communities, believing that employing some Aboriginal businesses or some Aboriginal people and paying some people good wages and good returns. The trickle down to remote communities and uh, other people not directly involved, uh, still a long way to go. I totally agree with the, the policy that gives people the opportunity and to um, bid for services and predominantly we're talking about government services at the moment but any any sort of black business there is an element of black cladding that's been described like you know you, you'll have predominantly a, a white business but you know you're partnered up with others 
with with some some black folks, you know. And look, I don't discourage uh, from people pursuing their economic uh, growth and wealth, but as you say, at the end of the day, it's that that end of town still progressing really well. There's a proportion in our society, our communities right across the country, that are living in poverty and still live in poverty, um, still incarcerated, still our communities, there's, there's, there's self-harm and suicides in communities. That figure and that amount of money over there sounds like a good story, but you've got to balance it up with, a, with meeting the needs of people in community. I can only imagine one day that where we won't have these problems in our communities and that the, the top end of town or, or, or those that are benefiting really well have done some really good things out of the life. We need to, need to help our other mobs get out of those circumstances as well. So I, I don't disagree. I don't um, and not support those. So good on you guys if you're, you're doing well for your families and got jobs. And our, our mob, you know, we think about each other. We, we care about our families and our communities. But often in, in businesses, it's a dog-eat-dog dog kind of environment, isn't it? And it's small businesses, it's, it's success or failure. And predominantly, small business is failing. Is a failure spot, you know? Do you think there's some expectation yeah. that the mob are going to automatically share all this new wealth amongst each other? Yeah, I think so. I think that is, um, you know, that's that's only just one part of the good news story. Um, and the, the opposite to that is devastating. It is a disastrous story. And yet, if we're thinking about, if we break it down like this and say, well, look, OK, if we're 3% of the population and there's that percentage of people that are doing well in, in this area, but that means that the smaller percentage of people are still disadvantaged, still experiencing poverty, still experiencing not living in a home or not having a job or spending most of their time in jail. We need to address that. And so something's not working properly, and I think that... Governments don't get their head around it because there's not enough time in the cycle of politics. So a government cycle is four years, so that's not enough time. So any government want to think about, well, we need to get in here to make a difference to these our, our peoples on the ground, and they need to do it with us. They need to do it with First Peoples to be able to make that change, and then we can tell the story, we can confirm... Yes, governments have listened to us. Governments have allowed us to resolve these matters ourselves because we know how to, we know how to care for our mob. On that note, Rod Little, co-chair of the National Congress, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Paul. Yes, that was Rod Little, co-chair of the National Congress of Australia's First Peoples, speaking with Karma's Paul Wiles. That's going to conclude Strong Voices for this morning. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to listen back to the program or if you missed any of the interviews, you can uh, head to Karma's SoundCloud. We'll be posting a podcast of the show today. So you can just Google uh, Karma SoundCloud there and head to that one and that audio will be up this afternoon. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be back the same time tomorrow from uh, 11 till 12. Stay safe and enjoy the rest of your day. Strong voices.